last week, rising out of isolation. As you are turning there, our children, kids' church age, kindergarten through sixth grade, they are dismissed and released to kids' church this morning. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to be reading a familiar passage of Scripture beginning in verse 46. If you do not have your paper physical Bible, I hope that maybe you have. We don't have the screens. They've decided to die on us this morning during the middle of service. I hope that you at least can pull it up on your, your phone or your tablet or something to follow along. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. And now, turn your neighbor and say, now. They came to Jericho. And as he, or Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then when then many warned him, told blind Bartimaeus to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded Bartimaeus to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. And so Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you and I praise you for your word. For such incredible demonstration of your miracles and your power, God. And, and Lord, I just pray that right now that we will have an encounter with you in these next few moments. That, God, that we will have an encounter with your word, with your spirit, with your glory. That, God, that we will be able to come to you right now, God, and be changed by you, by your word, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Began last week, and many of you, when you walked into the sanctuary last week, I later learned that you immediately wanted to know who stole the lamp from Narnia. It was me. I was guilty. But we began a conversation last week about isolation in this season as we reflect and we understand the impact of, uh, of what isolation does and what it means. I remember and I think back to different times and moments when I have maybe experienced that kind of, uh, that kind of loneliness or isolation. And one of those stories or one of the moments that I think about is back to when I was in high school, my senior year, 
our high school was doing the production Miracle Worker. Miracle Worker is a story of uh, Helen Keller. And I was cast as Helen Keller's father, the captain. And one of the things that we did, we did many exercises in that process. And, and one of the things that I remember uh, about that uh, ready time or preparation for the production was that they, our directors, the teachers, tried to get us to be able to experience what it was like. And so we tried to not only experience our own character, but what it would be like to be Helen Keller. And so we, uh, we had spent a rehearsal. We spent uh, that time period for several hours where we were blindfolded. Now, if y'all have cameras, you may take them because I'm going to relive this moment for just a moment. I have borrowed Tina's eye patches. In your own way, in your own mind, in your own circumstances. If you've ever just closed your eyes and pretended to be blinded. Right now, I can't, of course, see anything. And in this darkness that I see, if you don't make a sound, I have no idea that you're in your presence. Feelings that I feel even now that I remember back that day standing on a high school stage. The loneliness, the isolation, the inability, it seems, to connect with anyone that is around me. If I'm not careful, I can become like Helen Keller was at the beginning of her journey, and I can become angry, resentful, bitter. When we think about what it is like to be blinded, and we think about the darkness, that penetrates every area of our life. While we this morning, to my knowledge, may not be experiencing physical blindness in this place, every single one of us understands what it means to be in that spiritual situation. Desperate. Alone. And if it were not for human contact, the touch, the voice, wouldn't even know that there's anyone else out there. And it's in that context that I think about what blind Bartimaeus experienced. Each and every day, sitting by the road between outside of Jericho, on that road that led all the way to Jerusalem, he sat there begging. And it says that he heard. see, it's more than just for you and I as we hear audible sounds. It, it ties into our sight. It ties into our other senses. And we are able to kind of connect it all together. But for Bartimaeus, that sound, that understanding that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby and was coming. That was his only connection to the outside world. That was his only realization that there was something beyond the darkness. And that is out of that, that, that Jesus encounters him. 
What's interesting about Jesus' encounter with Bartimaeus is that it is one of roughly, we'll say, 30 or so healings that Jesus performs while he was here walking the earth that's recorded in the four Gospels. But what's interesting about all of these healings is that all, every time that Jesus heals someone, it's almost always anonymous. We don't know a name. There's only two times where we know a name. Most of the time, the most that we get is a, is a direct connection or a correlation. For example, Jairus' daughter. We, know, we don't know the daughter's name, but we know who her father is. And so the, the, the most we get in almost every single one of the times that Jesus heals, this anonymity of the people that are being healed, is a, is a reminder to us that God is not interested in the spectacle. God doesn't encounter Bartimaeus on this road to Jerusalem because of a spectacle and he's wanting to magnify or glorify Bartimaeus, but he's rather wanting the miracle itself to be what stands out to us. His power, his demonstration, his, 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 his ability to be able to go beyond the physical limitations and transform them in the miraculous way. Jesus is, of course, as we know, more than just a, a magician. He's more than just someone who's, who's doing parlor tricks. This is the Son of God who has come to redeem mankind. And he demonstrates his power through healing. And, the, and as I shared, there are only two exceptions that I know of in the Gospels where the individual is named that is physically healed. The first one is Lazarus. Lazarus is raised from the dead. He is named physically. He is named specifically, and then here with Bartimaeus. And so it causes us why we, we could maybe understand Lazarus. Lazarus was his dear friend. We're talking about a resurrection moment. We see the significance of needing to attach a name to the miracle. But why Bartimaeus? Why does Bartimaeus rate at getting named or called out? Bartimaeus is... Uh, is an interesting name. That first part, Bar, uh, in Hebrew uh, or Aramaic, will translate as son or son of. And so hence we have, uh, you know, Mark, as he's writing this under the anointing and the, uh, and the power of the Holy Ghost, he's, he says Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus. And so for uh, the, the Jewish readers, or uh, they would have read as it's saying, son of Timaeus, son of Timaeus. So Mark is clarifying for people like you and I who don't know necessarily that history. Timaeus is interesting uh, when we begin to look at it. And uh, the Greek word Timaeus means honorable. So maybe subtly or allegorically, he is being declared as a son of honor or an honored person. But others point to the Timaeus being the, and the Aramaic side of the language. We don't know where we find this, but the, word, the Aramaic word that is uh, translated, or Timaeus, it's translated as unclean. It becomes interesting, and, and if you research and you study, and, and there's lots of different theories and thoughts and lots of different things that are out there, but if we would, just for a moment, let's just, for, for hypothetical sake, kind of combine these ideas when we look at this down and out blind man, a poor person who is begging for money. He might be dishonored or marginalized by the Greeks. He might be unclean to the Jews, but Mark 
God through Mark is telling us that he is someone that should be honored and he is declared clean and righteous by Christ. You see, when we come to this understanding and we realize that it was Bartimaeus who was in such a place of isolation and darkness, but Jesus met him on this road and saw him and he is told by the disciples when Jesus calls for him, the disciples tell him to rise up. This morning, I believe that Jesus is making that same declaration into every single one of our lives. Rise up. Rise out of the darkness. Rise out of the isolation. Rise out of the circumstances. Rise out of the attacks of the enemy. And that we need to be able to rise up. And it is there, out of, out of the isolation, that the Lord will encounter us. So the next question that we have to answer is this. What brings us out of the isolation. Bartimaeus physically was able to stand up. But have you ever emotionally and spiritually felt as if you didn't even have the strength or the know-how to stand up? We're so weak. We get so discouraged. We get so frustrated. We get so disillusioned. And that we find ourselves really wrestling with, I know that I need to rise up out of this, but how do I do it? I do not have a magic tonic that I can sell you that will fix everything. But I offer you, like Peter did that day, I give you what I have. I give you Jesus. And in giving you Jesus... Let us look at Bartimaeus and see what led him to being able to rise up out of the darkness, out of the isolation. The first thing that we see is we see that Bartimaeus acknowledges. He acknowledges Jesus. He makes this declaration. He has heard that Jesus of Nazareth is coming by and he makes the declaration, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is a significant phrase, that phrase, son of David. Son of David, that title is a loaded phrase within the Jewish culture because we understand that it connects all the way back to the Old Testament. And if you, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it says this, when your days, talking about David, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. There is that promise of that coming Messiah. It was going to come out of the line of David. And so this phrase, this title, Son of David, is not just thrown around haphazardly. It's not just used casually. Oh, this is more than just uh, you know, being able to Bartimaeus, being recognized as Son of Timaeus. This is calling Jesus Son of David. Now, this is a title of kingship. This is a title of messiahship. This is a title that goes beyond just acknowledging whether uh, who the earthly father is, but it is a title of declaration, a title of declaration kingship. In fact, if we fast forward, even the New Testament, in, in the very beginning, in Matthew 1.1, we see uh, that uh, the Gospels, the New Testament begins with this description and this declaration, we read that Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so at the very beginning of the New Testament,
Testament, the genealogy of Christ is declared and that son of David, son of Abraham becomes connected. But I want us to understand that the son of David that Bartimaeus is referring to or is declaring here is more than just a genealogy connection. It's more than just uh, about a connection about bloodlines. It is a, uh, it is a proclamation of theology or a proclamation of faith that makes the healing that he is going to experience kind of pale. You know, we think, we look at this, we read this story, we think how incredibly magnificent is the miracle that this man who has been blind all of a sudden now can see. The real miracle here happens when Bartimaeus declares, Son of David, have mercy on me. He doesn't say, Son of David, Son of Abraham, have mercy on me. Just simply, Son of David. And in this moment, the people that are standing there who are used to and so familiar with these phrases that if there's going to be a declaration about Messiahship, it's usually going to come in the form from the Jews as son of David and son of Abraham. But here, Bartimaeus just simply says son of David. It's as if Jesus, or Bartimaeus is declaring Jesus is not just the son of David, but he is greater than Abraham. He is greater than any of the prophets that have been foretold. And here is this king. Here is the Messiah. Here is the one that we've been looking for. And so here in the darkness, here in the isolation, here is Bartimaeus who cannot see, but yet he has more intuition than any of those that are in the multitude that are following Jesus in this moment. Because it is Bartimaeus who is acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the son of David. That he is the one that has come to fulfill everything that they have been looking for. Everything that they have been hoping and longing for that has been mentioned. And so he makes this declaration, you are the son of David, have mercy on me. And so the question for you and I is do we acknowledge Jesus? Do we acknowledge him as the ultimate authority in our life? Do we acknowledge him as that one and that only one that we need? Do we acknowledge in that way? You see, because it's there. Until we acknowledge Jesus as King. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to you, God.
rose of Sharon. You are the Lion of Judah. You are King of all kings. You are Prince of all Prince. That you are that Prince of Peace. That God, that you are sovereign. You are providential. And that you have already crushed the head of Satan under your feet. And because of that, we are able to walk and tread on him as well. And so today we stand in victory. We stand in declaration. That God, that you are victorious. not only an acknowledgement of who Jesus is, but we see a yielding to Jesus. He yields. He yields to Jesus. When we're in darkness, if you've read much about the story of Helen Keller and you know much about her journey, it was, it was in that she essentially, she wasn't born blind and, and death, but she, very young, as a, as a young baby, became that way because of a sickness. And so, in that darkness and in that silence, she was angry. She was bitter. And if we're not careful, in our darkness and isolation, we can begin to look and try to point and blame everybody else that we get so focused on blaming that we get consumed with that anger and frustration and hatred and bitterness that we fail to see the hand that is extended to us. Ann Sullivan, the one who was able to break through into Helen Keller's life, it was not easy. 
woman never gave up. She persisted until one day at the well pump and with water, all of a sudden, there was a breakthrough when Helen understood that this woman is here, this person is here to help me. And she had to make the decision to yield to Ann Sullivan to be taught. And when we are facing our own isolations, when we are so consumed by anger and frustration, we are missing the one who is standing still right there in front of us with his arms open wide saying come. Jesus called for Bartimaeus to come. Bartimaeus could have just heal me from there. I can't see. I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to trip. I'm going to fall. I, I need someone to lead me. But we don't read any of that. In fact, it says that when they called him, he threw aside his garment and he rose and he came to Jesus. We don't see anybody leading him. We don't see anybody trying to give him direction. We don't see any game of Marco Polo going on. We just see Bartimaeus running to Jesus. Yielding completely to him. Romans chapter 6, verse 13 says this. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Yield yourself completely to God. Continues, for you were once dead, but now you have new life. Thank you, Lord. So use your entire life as an instrument of righteousness to God. Do we yield and say, God, I don't like what I'm going through, but I'm not going to sit around and start pointing fingers I'm not going to blame my parents. I'm not going to blame my spouse. I'm not going to blame my children. I'm not going to blame the government. I'm not going to blame any of these other things around me. But God, I'm instead going to yield to you and say, God, use me. God, work in me. God, work through me. Because you see, when we yield, when we completely surrender to God, it is there that we experience this transformation, and that instead of just being someone who is receiving, all of a sudden we become a conduit to also to be able to give. When we read, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more than just about money and finances. We're talking about being able to be used by God, and that when we can give to others, what an incredible blessing. And I love that Bartimaeus, he doesn't go into any background. He doesn't go into any rant. He doesn't go into any kind of thing. Hey, while you're at it, I, I want you to strike down so-and-so. They were mean to me yesterday. He didn't go on some uh, tirade of saying, 
you know, these are the people that have been mean, these are the people that don't help me, and, and, and this is what these people should be doing. He casts off his garments. We're going to come back to that here a little bit later. But he yields. He yields completely to Jesus, and we need to do the same if we want to rise out of the isolation. So we need to acknowledge Jesus. We need to yield to Jesus. And we need to pursue Jesus. He yielded by saying, have mercy on me and getting up. But then he also had to go. He had to pursue. I love that in this moment, Jesus, it says, he stood still. Jesus is not playing games of hide and seek with you. That is not him. And so when we read in scripture that we are to seek him, it's not like, I don't want us to have in this mindset, this game of hide and seek where he's trying to hide and, 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 and be playful. Because what we see is that Bartimaeus, in his blindness, is pursuing Jesus. And Jesus stood still. Seek me. And you will find me, Jesus says. When we search for him with all of our heart. So how do we pursue? Sub-sermon right here. Four ways that we pursue. We pursue him through scripture. Jesus is logos. Logos is the Greek word for the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we pursue Jesus through reading scriptures. More than just looking on the screen that's not there this morning when the pastor says turn to Mark chapter 10. Read scriptures. We need to pursue Jesus through scripture. Second thing, we need to pursue Jesus through prayer. Husband, Try going a week without talking to your wife. <laughs> Leave it to my mother-in-law to, to, you know, to totally ruin that. She listened if you didn't hear. She said, they'll love it. Hopefully she was not talking about the wives. Loving that her husband won't talk to him. In all seriousness, if we go, husbands, if we go a week without talking to our wives, we are going to be either in the doghouse or we are going to be calling somebody else. Hey, can I come crash at your house? So why do we go a week without talking to thankful that God doesn't kick us out. 
to pursue Jesus through prayer. We've got to press in. We've got to seek after him. We've got to go. What does it he declared? We must ask. We must seek. And we must knock. And that door then will be open. So we've got to seek him in prayer. We've got to pursue him through being a part of church. Pursue Jesus through the church. Now I'll go ahead and tell you. I get asked. Can I go to heaven without going to church? The short answer, maybe. <laughs> Cleared that up for everybody, right? There are people who genuinely cannot physically attend church. So what we're talking about here is not Number one, the word of God tells us to don't, do not forsake, do not take it, take for granted, do not uh, forsake gathering together with fellow believers. But the other part of this is, by show of hands, how many of you love Jesus? Okay, I think everyone's hand, I think, has gone up. If we love Jesus, and Jesus loves the church, then guess what? We need to love the church. And it's not a matter of having to come to church. It's a matter of getting to come to church. Because we can't survive or be sustained without that connection with God. With other believers. With corporate worship. And so part of how we pursue Jesus. We pursue Jesus through the scriptures. We pursue him through prayer. We pursue him through church. And fourthly, we pursue Jesus through crying. separated this out because of what we see in Bartimaeus' life. I love that the description that Mark uses here that we find in Mark 10 does not say that Bartimaeus said son of David. Son of David, have mercy on me. Specifically, it says that he cried out. And he must have been loud because the disciples around Jesus try to get him to be quiet. Hush! Don't bother Jesus. And it says, all the more he continued crying out to Jesus. When we are in our darkest, loneliest, most isolated places, and we are in the bottom of that pit, there more than any other time, we better be crying out to Jesus. We better be crying out because crying out is more than just talking. It is more than just saying. It is something that rises from the very depths of our soul and our belly. And it, it, it is something that cannot be contained until the point that it just begins to come out, to cry out of our mouth. And I am reminded of what Luke says, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And if our, what is gurgling up out of the belly of our soul is not a crying out to Jesus, then we need to figure out what's wrong and where are we at in our hunger and our 
thirst for Jesus, and we need to be able to say, God, I'm crying out to you. I'm crying out that, Jesus, I need you. I need your presence. I need your uh, touch. I need your breakthrough. I need you. We need to cry out who he is. We need to cry out why it is that we love him. We need to cry out and declare our need for Jesus in our lives. We need to cry out, Jesus, I need you. Because when we cry out, we are declaring through the through the audible sound waves, we are declaring into the heavenly realm, we are declaring to God himself that we cannot make it all by ourselves. We are acknowledging who he is. We are yielding our spirit to him and we are pursuing him because we're desperate and we recognize we can't survive this day or this week without calling on him and crying out, Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, oh, you are my king of glory. Jesus, I need you you more than I need anything else. So we've got to pursue Jesus like we mean it. We are living in a day of an age when it is the time for what I call patty cake Christianity is long gone. We're not serious about pursuing him. Then where are we going to end up? Many people told Bartimaeus to hush and to be quiet. And the enemy is still declaring that in 2000. God in our lives. He's trying to silence uh, righteousness. And so not once, but at least twice, Bartimaeus though says, no, I'm not listening to that. I'm going to cry out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And this morning I am calling us as we pursue Jesus, as we pursue him through scripture, as we pursue him in prayer, as we pursue him in church, let us also cry out. Let us declare, oh, with authority and with passion, because we cannot remain silent in our pursuit of Christ. We must cry out to him. He is the savior of our soul. He is the transformer of our mind. He is the redeemer of our heart. He is that one who moves upon our lives. And when we come to this point of crying out to him, it is there that we're going to meet him on that road. It is there that Jesus is standing still, waiting for us to catch up to him, waiting for us to approach him. He's not running from us. He's not hiding from us. He's simply standing there with his arms outstretched wide, and he's wanting to know, how desperate are you for me? Are you going to come chase after me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to pursue me? Are you going to cry out to me? we do that, Jesus looks at Bartimaeus and he says, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. He tells him to go. He tells Bartimaeus to go his own way. 
Is that what Bartimaeus does? I'll go ahead and answer that question. No. Verse 52. Jesus says to him, go your own way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. And our fourth and final way that we need to rise out of the isolation is that we've got to follow Jesus like our life depends on it. Because it does. We've got to follow Jesus. How many of us love Jesus? I think every hand went up in here. And if we all love him, we all want to follow him. But before Bartimaeus even goes to pursue and then follow Jesus, it says that he cast off his garment. The kind of garment that Bartimaeus would have been wearing would have been the garment or the cloak of a beggar. Beggars would wear a particular style or type of cloth, clothing, robe, because it would designate to people, be kind of like their little permit, you know, hey, I could be here begging. I've got a legitimate need in my life. Will you help me? That is what that cloak identified Bartimaeus as. It identified him as a beggar. Jesus didn't tell him to cast it off. Bartimaeus does it anyway. Before he's ever healed, he casts off that garment that identifies him as a beggar. As someone who is poor. As someone who is in need. Maybe you ask yourself, how can Jesus say that he saw that his faith was strong? How? Number one, we look at the outward appearance. We look at the, at the blindness. We look at the, at the poor element of Bartimaeus. But Jesus, when he, see, when he sees Bartimaeus, this man who is blind, he's not just seeing the physical limitation. He's not seeing what man sees, but he's penetrating through into his spirit, into his soul, and he's seeing the level of faith that Bartimaeus has. And he sees you and I. He sees the people around us. And so it is not up to us to judge and condemn or declare or cast judgment on the people around us. Oh, but we need to be able to say, Jesus, let me see what you see. Oh, because I'm thankful that Jesus sees into the depths of my heart. He sees into the depths of my mind. And he does that in Bartimaeus. Oh, but even if. Even if you were just one of the disciples that day and you weren't Jesus able to see through, what you are able to see is Bartimaeus casting off that beggar's cloak. And in that moment, Bartimaeus is making this declaration that I no longer have to be identified as someone who is a beggar and who is poor because Jesus...
Jesus has called me to come to him. And this morning, on April the 11th, 2021, Jesus is declaring into your life, into this church, oh, you do not have to be identified as a beggar, as someone who is poor and without. Oh, but Jesus is declaring into every single one of us, in every single one of our lives, oh, come to me. And I, oh, and all of that I have, it is yours. My power, it is yours. Oh, my love, it is yours. Everything about it, it is yours. Healing, it is yours. And we need to be able to say, oh, God, I don't want to have a woe is me pity party any longer. I'm going to cast off this garment of heaviness, and I'm going to put on a garment of praise, and I'm going to pursue after Jesus. I'm going to yield my life to him. I'm going to acknowledge that he is king of all kings, and I'm going to follow Jesus no matter where he may go. Oh, and I don't want to be encumbered. I don't want to be slowed down. Oh, by that weight or that sin that so easily ensnares So he casts off the beggar's garments. And he follows Jesus. Luke 5.11 when Jesus is calling the disciples says as soon as the boat landed they left everything and followed Jesus. That's what the disciples did. What about us? Matthew 16, 24, Jesus tells us, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. As the musicians come this morning, context of this story, Jesus and the disciples are making their way from Jericho to Jerusalem. The reason they're going to Jerusalem is because the next story is Palm Sunday. He's making his way to Jerusalem for the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so as he's making his way from Jericho out of the city, he comes into contact with Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus, it says, followed him. Well, the next stop that Jesus makes is, Jer is Jerusalem. 17 miles away. And so I imagine Bartimaeus, if he cried out, when he was blind. If he acknowledged Jesus as the son of David when he was still sitting on the ground begging. If he was yielding to Jesus blind and having mercy on me, Jesus. And if, and if he was so desperate that he cried out and that he pursued Jesus, even while still blind. What did Bartimaeus do for 17 miles of journey? 
the sea, being able to walk, see where he was going, and not being encumbered or identified by a beggar's cloak. I'll go ahead and tell you what my mind says. I would imagine that what we read about in our text today would be like the introduction. It'd be the prelude. It'd be like the pre-service kind of stuff. And I imagine that for the entire journey to Jerusalem, Bartimaeus is worshiping, he's following, he's listening, he's celebrating, so that when they get to Jerusalem, I imagine Bartimaeus, well, he follows him to Jerusalem, so we know he's there. And I'm going to assume since he's there, he's part of this crowd. He's declaring, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King, the Son of David. So that Palm Sunday became almost this culmination of what had been happening all along from Jericho to Jerusalem. And it goes from being just Bartimaeus. If the disciples told Bartimaeus to hush when he was asking Jesus to heal him or to have mercy on him, if he continues the same vein or same atmosphere of praise and same atmosphere of declaration, have you ever been around someone who's so excited because they've experienced something for the first time? They just can't stop talking because they want to tell everybody all about it. That's what I picture with Bartimaeus. He's seen, and he's telling everybody about it, and he's worshiping Jesus. I wonder how many times disciples said to him, Bartimaeus, hush! And him just saying, I'm sorry, but I can't hush. I can't help it. I've got to follow Jesus because he's changed my life. Let us this day make that same declaration that we're not going to be quiet, that we're going to follow him. We're going to go the distance wherever Jesus takes us. If you would stand with me this morning. I believe that Bartimaeus invites us to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus on the same way, to the same confession. Jesus, you are the son of David. Have mercy on me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this morning, if you would say, Pastor, I'm going through circumstance, I'm going through a situation, and I'm ready to cry out, oh Jesus, you are king, and I need you to have mercy on me as I go through what I'm facing. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. If you would say, Pastor, I feel alone, I feel isolated, but 
this morning, my friend, to answer the call of Jesus to rise up out of this isolation. I'm ready to encounter the glory of God. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand today? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And lastly, would you say, Pastor, I love Jesus and I'm following him. But right now I feel like I'm somewhere in between Jericho and Jerusalem in the middle of that 17 miles. And I'm weary. And I'm worn down. And maybe you recognize that you're carrying a, a garment of heaviness. This morning you're ready to lay that down. And you're ready to cry out. And you're ready to be encouraged. That's you. You're ready to lay something down and replace it with praise, replace it with the encouragement that God has for you. Just lift your hand this morning. Thank you. Thank you. As I close, as I pray, if you raised your hand or you didn't and you should have, I want you to come and I want you to encounter Jesus. I want you to find him here. Hope, come. Answer the call of Jesus as he did to Bartimaeus. Come. Come rise up and find him. Jesus, I love you and I praise you. Oh, that God, that we can declare to you this morning that we need you, that we need your hand, we need your touch, and that, Lord, this morning we are able to oh, declare that, God, we need your, uh, God, your leading, your voice. Lord, as we rise up out of isolation, out of darkness, out of loneliness, God, don't let us be overwhelmed in the discouragement, God, of what we're facing in our circumstances. God, together we cry out, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our situation, God. We need you. We need your voice. We need your touch this morning, God. Right now, Lord, I pray that, God, as we cry out to you, as we declare that, God, we're following you no matter what, that, God, that you will strengthen our faith, that you will strengthen us in what we're going through. You will just encourage us right where we are and let us know that we are not alone, God, that you are with us, that, God, even if we're in the darkness, even if we can't hear your voice, God, give us a, a, a touch. God, give us Oh, that word of encouragement, God, as we pursue you. Oh, that, Lord, that you have not left us. You have not forsaken us, God. And so this morning, we declare, we declare you as king. We declare you in your glory. We declare your presence. We declare your power. That, God, right now, you and you alone, Jesus, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge your glory. We acknowledge your power.